to the podcast no one asked for. I'm Sienna. And I'm Morgan. And in this episode, we are talking innocence. innocence. <laughs> <laughs> no. I didn't even plan to say it that way. <laughs> we didn't, but you know, hey, it works. Great minds It's life. very ominous. Yes. That's the word. That because what we're talking about is very ominous. It's... Two of okay. our favorite kinds yeah, of characters. For I think sure. this is one of yours. And this is one of mine. Oof. They both have Netflix series on... Netflix. Um, <laughs> yeah, created by Netflix. Created by Netflix. Um, Basically, it's... What we're talking about is innocent people with false confessions or who were thrown into prison because of a false confession. Or, yes. That's the main similarity between these yeah. two, was that. And these are technically three different cases. Yeah. Sienna has a show that has two different cases all in the same show. But they really cross. They cross. And I watched it and she we both watched these shows. I remember like when I watched it I was telling you like you have to watch Yes, this. you told me for months to watch this. I did. And I cuz I watched the first episode and I got it was a little confusing at first but then I was like okay, I got into it. But the first one we're going to talk about is probably the more famous one. Mm-hmm. And if you have not heard of this I mean, I even heard of this, I think, before it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a show called When They See Us on Netflix. It was created by Ava DuVernay, and who's an amazing director. Yeah, she um, is. And uh, it follows the story of the Central Park Five, which is now more known to be called the Exonerated Five. One thing she said throughout this, I remember watching interviews with her, is why they... Because they originally had it called, the show called Central Park Five. But she changed it because that name was given to them by society. Yeah. And it was it would have been like it was more political, and so she wanted to change it to something a little less political and to give them like have them have their names more than yeah. that name. So they call them the Exonerated Five now, more to make it more you know that's not on them all the time. Which I I loved when she said that. I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I just like that it's. Called something different than, like, the case. Right, which makes it even better. I don't know how they came up with when they see us, but... So, it is uh, about five uh, black and brown kids who were convicted, wrongly convicted, of a rape and yeah. assault in Central Park in on April 19, 1989. Um, the victim was uh, Patricia Miley. She was a 28-year-old white female... And apparently that same night, there's like eight other different assaults, victims, physical assault, sexual assault, different things. But this focuses mainly on her. Um, she was hit on the back of the head and brutally beaten um, and then raped and left into a, left in the bush in the woods somewhere and was in a coma for 12 days. Oh, my Lord. And they couldn't, so they couldn't get anything out of her. Yeah. And. But also, sorry, this is like a, like a remake or not a remake of the story, but they, like... So, this has been told differently yeah. over the years. They had a Ken Burns documentary about it, mm-hmm. and um, all the guys were interviewed for it. All the guys are had a had a part in this, in each yeah. of the actors that were yeah, playing Yeah, because there's, there's actors that play them, so it's like you're watching, in a way, a movie, because you're seeing right. everything happen. It's only seeing... four parts, yeah. so it's basically, if you say, like, a four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour mm-hmm. movie... So but, it's not, like, interview style. It's, right. It's very active. It's dr- it's a dramatic series. And what was cool is that it goes through different time periods. So you see them when they're younger, when oh, this I happens. Oh, I liked it when they did that. And then you see them when they're out, 
a prison or in prison yeah. in their later ages. Um, and uh, the only one they kept the same was Corey, oh. which we will talk uh. about. Um, so there was technically six people accused. Six, six of them were accused. But one of them cut a plea deal and got a lesser charge and a lesser sentence. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. There's, no there's, one talks about that. No, there's a lot of people arrested. There's about 30 to 40 black and brown kids running around Central Park one night. And they called it like wild and whatever. Yeah, and they were just like... So They saw so many... There was, there was these reports about them getting called for like people getting attacked and whatever. So police came and just ran after everyone. Yeah, but also... These kids did not know each other before this. No, they that's none of them. That's the big. Then. Well, there's a few of them that maybe knew each other. Somewhat. Yusuf and Corey knew each other, but oh, yeah. which is a whole thing. Um, there were four African American kids and two Hispanic were indicted on May 10th. That second Hispanic was the one that got out. Okay. Of the six, um, they were charged with assault, robbery, riot, rape, sexual abuse, and attempted murder because there was a. Um, Another guy that was assault like attacked, and his name was John Laughlin, and he that was like attempted murder, I think. Um, they were taken in, and they so their names are. I mean, this is a big thing. Their names are Raymond Santana, and he was fourteen when he was taken in, and then Kevin Richardson was also fourteen, then Antron McRae fifteen, Yusuf Salam fifteen, and Corey Wise sixteen. So they were interrogated. Some with parents, some without. And apparently mm-hmm. at this time, legal age in New York was 16. Yeah. Because they, I remember they said something like, you graduate next month and you're, what, and you're not 16 or whatever, something like that. But um, some of them were interrogated without parents, some of them were with, so. Um, but even that, it goes to my mind, like the 14-year-olds that were interrogated without parents. Like, how? Right, so. um Yusuf, who was 15, was interrogated without one. Antron, who was also 15, was interrogated with parents. Kevin Richardson, um, who was beaten before he even was taken into custody. Oh, yeah. He was running, and one of the police officers hit him with his hat. And they, yeah, wasn't he, he was just, like, running because he yeah. saw everyone. And yeah, and he out. fell, and he, the guy, the guy, police officer took off his hat and hit him with it. And it left him with, like, a scar and everything, mm-hmm. which they used against him later on. Um, and then... Uh, Raymond Santana was interrogated with a parent. Well, with his, I think his grandmother. And then they let her out. She didn't speak a word of English. And then, um, Corey Wise, um, was, I don't remember. Yeah, he was interrogated without a parent. He was legal age. But, um, this happened between, they said 9 to 10 or 9 to 11 mm-hmm. uh, p.m. Uh, and they... Some of them were let go, and some of them were taken in because some 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 were caught, some were not, out of these five, and a big thing was that they co the police coerced these confessions, yeah, and so they randomly picked I think what it, that's what it looks like at least from an outsider's point of view, they randomly picked a handful of these kids that were taking it and been like. He said you did it. And they're like, who's yeah. this guy? Like, they're like Antron said you did it. And he's like, who's Antron? Like in the show, they had like. A board, like a map of Central Yeah, and, and they, they were, were talking to people and putting, like, pinpointing where each person was. Right. To try to figure out, like, who was in the area when it happened. And right. And who wasn't. Like, getting the alibis. Yeah, and they, they went around and they, there was some people, they had a list of names they were going to bring in and interrogate. And the names were Raymond Santana, Kevin Richardson, Antron McRae, Yusuf Salam. Corey Wise was not on that list. But Yusuf and Corey were friends and they were walking around. 
and when they were... Oh, I remember this in the show. Yeah. And he... They're like, do you have an ID? To Yusuf. And he's like, yeah, there's this bus pass that said 16. And he's like, but I'm really 15. He's like, why would you say 16? To impress girls, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to say 16. So they had the legal right to do interrogate him without a parent, even though he was, in fact, 15. Mm -hmm. And then Corey was there, and he's like, you want to come down to the station with them? You'll be back right back? And he's like... Yeah, like, to be a friend. To be a friend, yeah. And he's like, uh, you're... you're my- Sure, your mom will kill me if I don't, you yeah. know? He's like, you're being a good person. The cop was like, you're being a good friend. And when he was, you know, really, like, playing him, probably. Mm-hmm. But, um, which was ridiculous. And then none of them knew each other, except for, I think, Yusuf and Corey. And, but the police made it seem like they knew each other. Yeah. So, like I said, they were saying, like, Kevin was doing this. Kevin said you were doing this. Who's Kevin? Like, this. Yeah. And then, like, who? And then they kind of manipulated him into saying, so they would get off. Oh, Yeah. He did this. Because mm-hmm. I remember there's a scene like, Raymond was like, Kevin did it. And everything. Yeah. He doesn't know who but Kevin also it's is. But like, they did this for hours. They did, yes, like, for hours. Before he, some of the parents weren't even notified. Yeah, that's the thing. And they were brought in, so like, Yusuf's, he, they're like, like, he was 15. It's just the chaos. It was, it was utter chaos. And like, um, they, they were all false confessions and everything. I don't remember a lot of Corey's. I remember seeing a video of it, but, um... Corey was kind of brought into it randomly, and he got mm-hmm. the hardest bit of it. Yes. But they um, they were all tried in two different groups, I think, mm-hmm. besides Corey. Oh, I remember that. Um, yeah, because Corey was tried as an adult. Corey was tried as an adult because of his age, and um, they had... So, the only evidence they had were their confessions. Mm-hmm. They had no physical evidence None. which is what makes a case i mean yeah it blows my mind literally years later the o- oj was a big racial case mm-hmm. and for what people say i don't believe it was uh-huh. but um that was based on physical evidence and the fact that there was none he got off yeah and uh, or from what they say anyway but there was no physical evidence i remember in the show they talked about a sock do you remember that there's like oh yeah there's like Specimen in a sock from them, and there, but it did not match any of them. But they tried to make it seem like it did. DNA doesn't match. And this was in the eighties. I mean, like I don't know what the science was back then, but still, um, yeah. What was I gonna say? Well, they were convicted. Yeah, I mean, they got they four of them were served six to seven years, um, in prison, and then they got out, and then Corey, who was brought into it, served. 13 years as an adult, which is in a harder prison. And he he had a whole episode to oh, himself. It was the last episode. It was the last episode. Because for a while, you don't see or hear from Corey. Yes. And and I thought, like, did he die? Right. But So. Wait, this, before we get into that, the woman, when she got out of the coma, like. She, I think she, she, she. But she still kind of didn't really remember. Right. But she kind of said, because I feel like the police also coerced her to be like, these are the guys, right? Yeah. To just like, like yeah. that's but, a thing. But also, what I didn't understand, maybe because I didn't, I didn't know a lot, yeah. but like, it, I would think, I'm, I know there's such a thing as like gang rape, mm-hmm. but like, one thing they pointed out, these are 14, 15 year old kids. A lot of them didn't even know what rape was. I know, like they didn't know. Anything. I don't know. I didn't know what rape was barely at 14 years old. I, I barely knew what sex was at Fort. No, yeah. I never mind. <laughs> We're not getting that. But biology, class. biology class. Yeah, but you're just like no, like all the parents are like, "What are you?" Ta-? And they're like, "What they?" I remember in the show they asked Raymond. He's like, "Do you know what rape is?" And he's like, 
Someone with sex, I don't know. Yeah, like... He, he didn't know. Like, which but, is... Um, I feel like normal. if it was several people that did it, there would have been more evidence to show... Right. That, like... Yeah, and also, I was trying to figure... I'm like, how did five people rape one woman? I know. And nobody... And her not be able to yeah. fight them off, also. There's... Fi- well, was, fighting... Oh, no, never mind. That's fine against one. That makes but, sense. like, in such a part... It's just nothing added up. But then, um... The thing is, like... When these get, like, released into the news, any case... Right. The police feels a lot of pressure to, like, catch the people. Because everyone's like, right. I don't feel safe if this person's not caught. And this so is... then, they just try to pinpoint it on anyone. Right. And it could be the wrong person. And they... There's no... There's not a lot of evidence was released into the public. Yeah. At all. It wasn't like you would see a normal case today. But it was just, like, these kids were convicted. and No, these kids were arrested. Before they even went to trial, they were arrested. And one big thing that happened... Was, um, there's a lot of papers that published their names and photos right after they got arrested. And serious threats were made to their families Mm -hmm. through it. And then one big thing that kind of is a little bit more of today as well. But it was also, it it tells a lot about today. But on um, May 1st of 1989, so they got convicted in like, they were arrested in April mid-April mm-hmm. so like 10 or so days after they got arrested mm-hmm. they hadn't even gone through probably all the interrogations yet or mm-hmm. anything but they had these five kids um our current president <laughs> which is <laughs> weird for this time now but uh one big thing was that he posted full page ads full page which were $85,000 oh lord per thing in that year oh, to okay. now, that'd be one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and the four major New York City newspapers, New York Times, mm-hmm. whatever, all those, um, and it said full in block letters on the front, "Bring back the death penalty, bring back our police." And there's also like there's more, put like a column underneath it of different things that he said. But one thing that stuck out to me that he said, which I mean, it isn't surprising now, but um, he said. Um, criminals must be told that their, in all caps now, civil liberties end when an attack on our safety begins. Oh, Lord. Which civil liberties, that's like civil rights. Yeah. Which, which is, I don't, I don't want to get into the political side of it, but like, the fact that he said this about a rape case. Yeah. <laughs> With all the hot water he's been in. But but the they um Yusuf Salam, mm-hmm. who's a doctor now. Yeah. It's like a freaking doctor. He's smart as can be. Uh he said this was kind of like a fire starter. And they like it like all these newspapers and all not just Trump's thing, but all these different newspapers and all these different things were made common citizens believe they were being he said that common citizens were being manipulated and swayed into believing that we were guilty. Yeah, like, everyone was against that. Right. Yeah. And you want an update on Trump's belief? He still thinks they're guilty, even because. though there's physical evidence. And he said there's more about it, but, yeah. Okay, but, like, this docuseries is filmed so well with how they, like, yes. did everything. Because when they revealed who it was... Oh, it was amazing. Oh, so, oh. the final episode was Corey Wise in solitary. Yeah. And 16. Yes. In an adult prison. I was solitary. I was literally like scared. Do you remember like the, watching? Remember it? The, the, I think I, I cried at the scene where the air conditioning. They finally get the air conditioning, and he's mm-hmm. like standing up at the vent, and he just soaks. Oh my god! 
It was, it was the fact that there's an actual guy that went through this, and the guy who plays him, plays him through young age to his prison, is Jarrell Jerome, who got an Emmy for this role. Yeah. Well, freaking deserved. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was watching Emmys this year, wanting everything from When They See Us to Win, and they only won that one. Mm-hmm. I was so disappointed, but I'm like, I'm glad this guy won. Yes. And they, all the guys were there, and he formed a bond with Corey Wise. And Corey Wise is, I mean, he's kind of messed up from it. Yeah, I mean, very much so. Um, but they got out when um. Corey Wise was in the same prison as this guy named Matthias Reyes, <laughs> who was already in there spending a life sentence for murder and serial rape. He Wait, could, can we talk about how it was revealed? They were on like a playground outside. No, 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 before that. Before that. Oh, no, I don't remember. The fight. Oh, was it, I don't remember, was it between them? I don't think so. Okay, someone was fighting. No, Corey was cleaning, like, the floor. Yes, yes, yes. And someone was fighting over, like, a TV, like, some random Yes, yes, then yes. this Matias guy. Yeah. This comes in. Was this the same episode, or is this, like, an episode before? No, it's the same episode. Oh, my God. Because the last episode was, like, an hour Basically, they just, like, exchange a few words. Yeah. Or something like that. I don't know. Like, you, he seems like a just normal person. They were yeah. just playing. And then it's like, whoa, this is the guy. But then, cut to the playground, Morgan. Take it away. I don't remember the whole playground scene. I remember it because Play. I was so blown away. S- say it, because I, I don't remember it in detail. Corey's just chilling. Yeah. And this Matias guy walks up to him, and you recognize him because it's from, like, right. earlier, and he's like, oh, hey, man, what's up? He's like, oh, hey, like, it, time has passed since right. this happened. Right, we don't I forget know how long it said, or if it even said. And he's like, no, they, like, talk a minute, and then Corey, like, starts walking away, and then he, I don't remember what he says exactly, but he literally tells him, it was me. Yeah. I freaking did it. Because he found Christ in prison. And was, yeah, because yes. he was feeling so convicted of what he did, right. knowing the entire time Corey is in for what I did. Right. That he confessed and he added more time to sentence. Right. And holy crap. No, not really. He didn't? No. So he was serving a life sentence in there already. So, I mean, you couldn't really yeah. have much. Um, but he then confessed to the rape. And his DNA matched. And... His... Like, his alibi? Well, yeah. he didn't have an alibi. Right. This is, everything... He was already... Matched. Yeah, he, I think he was... Was the same MO as, like, another thing he did? That's what it well, was. He, he was a serial rapist. He did the exact yeah. same thing. He was a serial rapist. So, in 2001, he wasn't convicted of this same crime, the yeah. Jogger case, because it had passed the statute of limitations. What? Don't know what that means, but, you know, it was just passed. And then the next year... They had the investigation, and all the charges were dropped and vacated, and they were exonerated. Mm-hmm. So Corey was still in prison, so he got out. Yeah. And then Raymond was back in prison for like he drug did like drugs. And the rest of them were all out and trying to find jobs, and then they were all exonerated. And in two thousand three, they all sued the city of New York for malicious prosecution, racial discrimination, and emotional distress. Yeah. Which they should have. distress for sure. They refused. The city refused to settle mm-hmm. until 2014. Goodness. So over 10 years. But the only reason they chose to settle because there was a change to the administration in the city. Yeah. Um, they settled for $41 million. Holy. They also sued the state of New York. Mm-hmm. And that was settled in 2016 for $3.9 million. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it, it was... It, what. 
it just blew my mind that this case was like. I know the, the like it sounds fake. I knew the justice system was pretty messed up. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we especially could, like in the '80s. Right. I mean, '80s and '90s had some of the worst like cases, and like you know, there's just people guilty, and they ended up not being. This is the whole thing. But stay tuned for the next. Yes. Show. <laughs> oh, we got an opinionated <laughs> one for you. Um, but it was just I. It never made any sense to me. I'm like. I was watching and I was just angry. It just... It angers uh, you to look at this and be like, these are the people who are supposed to be protecting us in our cities and states. Yeah. And they are being biased. It was mostly that one chick. Felicity Huffman? Oh my lord. <laughs> Ironic much. She just got out of prison. <sighs> she was in prison for 13 days. 13 days? 13 days. days. She was part of that college fraud thing. Oh, that's right. Oh, I remember you telling me that. That's why Wait, she did Lori Laughlin go to prison. No, not yet. She's going to trial. She's fighting it. Oh my! God. That means she's going to be in there Is longer. Is Olivia Jade still making YouTube no. videos? Well, she's not. She's not enrolled in USC anymore. Is she making videos still? No. Is she on social media? Barely. I don't know what I would do if I was that okay. Either. But the fact that so I think uh, it was a big thing that Felicity Huffman. So she, the the time that that college admission scandal came out was the time this was coming out. So the press tour they were doing for this, they were being asked about, it, and they're like. I could say they they avoided it because I mean yeah. you wouldn't want to the fact that she played the prosecutor it's very ironic, um, but she got a lighter sentence I think because she admitted it, mm-hmm. and it was like she was gonna pay the fine she was gonna do a lot of hours of community service. Lori Laughlin on the other hand is fighting it, but she's also facing charges of bribery now. What <laughs> does John Stamos think of this? I don't know. They haven't really commented on it either. Wow. Anyway, we're getting off topic. But. It just, uh, just the justice system just blew, it just, it, I was just like, these How? are kids. I know. And you're just, and it was just like, it was, it was for sure, like with all of it, total racial bias, racial discrimination. Yeah. For sh- Is that all for when they see us? That's for all the when they see us. I mean, it's, it's the saddest case yeah. I think ever. I highly recommend, like, it's a good watch. It, it is. It is hard to watch. It is hard to watch, but it, I mean, they went through it. They went oh, through it. But now, and the kids who played them, all props to them. I yes, mean, they did amazing. It's it great. was filmed so... Like, cinematography, It was. I mean, like, Ava DuVernay, who is known for... I love her. She's known for directing and writing these activism pieces. She, yeah. she made... Have you ever heard of the movie Selma? It sounds familiar. She directed that. She made that. It got Oscar nominations. Gosh. She made the, the very well-known Netflix documentary, 13th, about slavery, and it was big. Mm-hmm. She made Wrinkle in Time. She's done all this stuff. It's, like, great. Oh so, now on to Innocent Man. <gasps> what do you got for us? Okay, before I get into it, this will be all over the place. Because this case this is This is going to be a long episode, just to be clear. Okay, so, when I... I came across as, like, I was just looking up crime shows, and I just saw it buried in Netflix. I've never heard anyone talk about it. Just the greatest find I've ever seen. When did it actually come out, though? Uh, like, 2018, maybe. Like, it's still pretty new, but, um, holy crap. Okay. So, when I started watching it, I thought it was going to be, like, because it's two murder cases in the same city, same police force, same district attorney. We'll get into that in a second. (laughs) Um, in Ada, Oklahoma. So I thought it was like a serial killer or something, but the wrong person was accused. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Far from that. Um, my mind was blown. Like I couldn't, I binged watch this. I think if not in one day, I either started in the evening, went to sleep and watched that episode when I woke up. 
Because I was like, I, I need to know. <laughs> I wanted to Google what happened. Because, like, this is real. You can right, just right, look right. it up. But I was scared. I was like, I don't want to find out. Like, I want to watch what happens. Okay. So, but also, since it's two cases, they're, like, two years apart, the murders. Um, the girls have the same, like, similar names. <laughs> That's what threw me off. Yeah, everyone had very similar names. The same police force, same DA, that kind of... The names threw me off because it was, I was like, yeah. okay, who, which guy was connected to this yeah. girl, which guy was connected to this girl. That's what, but even when they showed timelines, it was kind of tricky to follow. It, like, a lot of stuff overlapped, and just because the same people, yeah. it did get confusing, but also with how they filmed it, it's done very well. They also have, like, remakes, but I like how you don't see the actors' faces that are, Right, well, that's a lot of, a lot of, like, dramatizations yeah. of, like, true crime, they never do that. Sometimes they'll see people's faces, mm. but I think it worked because it made you feel like you're watching it happen again but um first of all what's it based off of okay this is well this is the case but um john grisham published a book called the innocent man like famous crime yes writer he wrote it in 2006 and in the documentary docuseries it opens up with john grisham he's interviewed which is mm-hmm. great they also interview like friends and family i don't think i've ever seen him before that like Me what either. his face looks like but um this he, is his first non- Fiction, yeah. true crime yeah. book. He said, if I wrote The Innocent Man as a novel, fiction, folks probably wouldn't believe it. Yeah. And boy, was he right. Oh, yeah. Um, this, this is going to be all over the place because in the show, they cut between the cases. They don't do all of one. They like... I did not like that in my opinion. I kind of wish they focused on one at a time. Because it said, now that much. we talked about this one, wait till you hear it yeah. happen all over again. That's easier to follow, I think. But um, with how I'm reading this off, I'm going by episodes. Oh, There's six, so it won't be all over the place. Bear with me. Ada, Oklahoma. So 21-year-old Deborah Sue Carter, who's called Debbie. Yes. Um, she Like, her whole family's interviewed, but she's just, like, 21. She just really sweet, ambitious, whatever. She just moved into a new apartment, um, and it was the same apartment she'd be found murdered in. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, and she, like, worked in a, air quotes, boot scootin' bar. <laughs> boot scootin' boogie. Gosh. I remember that song. Um, so, basically, what happened with her case was a friend went to her apartment, found her bloody, naked body lying on the floor. There was a cord around her neck, um, and she had been assaulted. Oh, yeah. And then, like... Sexually assaulted. Yeah, sexually assaulted okay. with... Um, Oh, she, yeah, there's, all, like, a hairbrush yeah. or something like that? No, it's a bottle. Oh, ooh. The, these murders are brutal. <laughs> they, oh, like, just, yeah, so, mature content here. Yes. Um, Might have to make this explicit, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and they were, like, in her own blood was written, like, die. <gasps> yes, and, like, that's right. Duke Graham and, like, Jim Smith will be next and don't look for us or else. But there are all these spelling errors. Like, four was F-O-R-E. Else was E E E A L S E, like eels, but um, yeah. So that's what happened with Debbie. But you were introduced at the beginning of the show to Don Teal, a reporter; Dan Clark, private investigator; Dennis Smith, a well-liked oh, lead mm. investigator whose daughter was friends with Debbie. Boo. Um, Judge Tom Landreth, um, Gary Rogers, who was like. Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation agent, Bill Peterson, district attorney. That guy. That's who I remember. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, some of these people, so 
Smith, Rogers, and Peterson, uh, the investigator, uh, the borough, bureau, bureau person, and the DA are key figures in the next case. So, Debbie Carter, apartment. <laughs> then there's, uh, not, not Debbie Carter, Debbie Reynolds. Didn't, I'm getting Debbie confused. Reynolds? I'm getting confused with the name. Debbie Reynolds, is that actually her name? I don't remember it being Debbie Reynolds. I would have been like, no, oh, that's okay. the... Deborah Carter, Debbie Carter. It's Denise Haraway. How do that I name. Okay. Debbie Reynolds is. I know. <laughs> I think because I was thinking like Debbie, that the name Reynolds just popped in my head. But Denise Haraway is the next murder victim two years down the road. So oh, she's 24 and um, she was murdered and raped. And these have false confessions like when they see it. That's something very similar right. to the two. But. Um, like, with how this is shot, with uh, Denise's case, you, like, follow these, like, two men walking to a gas station. Right. It was, like, an uncle oh, and nephew. Yeah. And then as they walk in, you are led to believe these are the people. Right. Then, yeah, that's as, what I thought. Yeah, as they walk in, because of how it was shot, you see a man and a girl walk out. I and remember it now. It's all coming back to it me. was, they walked past the man with uh, Denise. So, in their testimony, whenever they, like, realized what was going on... Um, so the uncle and the nephew that had walked into the gas station in Denise's case, um, they called the police, described, like, who they saw, because uh, it was, like, super sketch. They said they were, like, bad feeling, like, this is weird. Uh, how they were kind of, like, leading the girl. So Denise, they were, how, like, leading her with the car, like, gripping her arm. And, like, it looked, yeah, it looked yeah, it was very, very physical. So um, she was also, Denise was also the store clerk. So she was missing. So that also tied into it. So they were, like... Um, ring, ring, like, who's working here? And they, yeah. But also, everyone knew Denise, because it's a small town right. in Oklahoma. So they were like, wait, Denise just walked out with that man. So they described it, face sketch, whatever, and they believed it to be Tommy Ward. Mm. Buckle up, ladies and gents, because this is when it starts to get good. Tea. So they, you know, with all this, like, investigative stuff, they think it's Tommy Ward and Carl Fontenot. But here's oh, the thing. Name. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, your physical reaction to like, that. <sighs> okay, so they show like clips of the false confessions. And in the confessions, by the way, these are like very convincing confessions in both yeah. cases. Like if you just watch the confession alone, you're like, yeah, they did it. Yeah, like, exactly. Prove me wrong. I know they did it because they went into They're also, details. the difference is they're grown men versus yeah. children in the, when yeah. they see us. Um. So, in their false confession, Ward and Fontenot, so Tommy and Carl, they explained to the report, like reporters, police people, that a man named Odell Titsworth convinced them to help rob the convenience store. Morgan? <laughs> I'm so immature. I'm sorry. <laughs> they convinced them... To, this is a real person. I know. Um, convinced them to help rob the store, kidnap Denise, and later rape and kill her. But guess what? That doesn't add up because Odell... He had an alibi. Homeboy broke his arm. <laughs> he was, like, in the hospital, like, days before. And, like, he was at home, like, chilling. Damn. So, that, like, crushes right. their f- confession. Because, like, oh, Odell made us do it. Like, Odell was the mastermind. Yeah. Like, so, that should literally, like, okay, scratch the confession. But, no, the police did not do that. They kept the confession in court. And confession alone, no physical evidence no nothing, just confession, just... But also, 
there's something really interesting about two case, these two cases with Denise and Deborah. Debbie, whatever. Tommy had a dream. <gasps> where That's he, right. Where he... This was like... He was telling the dream, wasn't yeah, he? As he his was, confession. His confession was then telling like, oh, I had a dream about this case. I don't know why he decided to tell them. Because this is what got him in prison. Right. Why he, would you tell somebody your dream about murdering and raping a girl? I know. He had a dream that he did the crime. I think he was questioned, then went to sleep, and then had the dream. Like, his mind was still in that state. Because they did this, like, all day long, the interrogation. And they took his dream as a confession. Because they're like, oh, he basically told us he did it. Like, but but then again, But then again, people could be like, they're saying it's a cover, dream. Yeah. And confession you know, alone, it was... You're convicted. Like this is it. Which but is no evidence. Again, no evidence. The thing about the difference between because what year was this? Uh, like the eighties, mid eighties. So, seems like the eighties. All they care about is confessions. Because mm-hmm. nowadays, even with confessions, you need physical evidence. Mm-hmm. Because somebody could say they did something, and then you find out later they didn't. And if they said something to the police about them doing something, that's them being charged for lying to yeah. the police and giving a false confession. But here's the thing. So the DA and like was in telling the jury like he was a master storyteller. Mm-hmm. He was telling them about the confession, even though the major holes in the cases were like there. He called in witnesses who said they saw Ward and Fontenot driving off of Denise and who were bragging about what happened. But then Peterson said that it was Ward who created Titsworth in his mind, so he wouldn't have to cope with the fact that he was the one who carried out. The crime. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Like, he convinced the jury that they were guilty. So, this was in the 80s. The first episode ends with a jump cut to 2017. You're in prison. It's a table. No one's sitting there. Someone walks into frame. I remember this so vividly because I was so shook. <laughs> oh, yes. Someone walks into frame. They sit down. And I was like, this kid looks familiar. Or this man. <laughs> this older man looks familiar. Nameplate. Tommy freaking Ward. And what does he say? I'm innocent. Dun, dun, dun. to black. That's how you end an episode. So he's wrongfully convicted. But then he's there for 30 years, and he's basically like telling them, like, here's what happened that day, right. yada, explaining this experience. And Ward also failed a polygraph test a week later after the interrogation, and the fact that he told him about the, uh, the dream did not work well for him. Mm, no, because it makes but, it sound like yeah, a crazy... he gave a bogus confession. He even told them a burial location of where he buried her body, but they never checked it. Okay, like if you don't know where the body told, is? He said, like, he made it up so that way they can, like, check. And right. And know that, like, he was telling them to, like, I really don't know, but they never checked. Okay, but why would... That makes no sense to me that why would a police... The investigation you're doing is about a dead girl and you can't find her body. And if somebody who you are believing is yeah. the person who did it tells you, hey, this is where the body is, go check it to see if that's true. But they, they just disregarded it. Because one thing this show really stressed on was, like, the police were just stressed with how they had, like, no leads, no right. nothing, that they were just going to get whoever it was and they didn't care if it was them or not. So let's put a pause on Denise. Let's go back to Debbie, who was in the apartment. Two suspects. Ronald, Ron, Keith Williamson, and Dennis Fritz. Um, they had been, like, the police force, same people, yet again. They had been eyeing them for a while, but, like, didn't have any evidence to pin them down. So, Ron was, like, a former baseball player, career-ending injury. 
Um, but he had a reputation for belligerence and sexual violence. Mm-hmm. But he's never been convicted in a court. He was still, like, a logical target for them. Right. And he only lived a few blocks away from the apartment and frequented the bar where she worked. Yeah, Literally, course. wrong place is wrong time. Right. And then Dennis Fritz, he had been one of his only friends when he came back to Ada with a drinking problem and increasing signs of mental illness. This is Fritz being a friend to Ron. So they were just buddies. Yeah. And he was there for him because... Ron, you see in the show, does deal with a lot of mental illness. This doesn't help his case. Right. But Fritz once was a teacher, happily married, high school sweetheart, had a baby named Elizabeth, and she's interviewed as well. Like, I like how they had the whole family getting interviewed. But the police force and the DA declined interviews. Mm -hmm. You know something sketch when that happens. Um, Well, not really, but still. Yeah. Because it's, well, it's a public case. Never mind. No. Mm-hmm. Never mind. You have no excuse. <laughs> so, in Debbie's apartment, there was also a bloody handprint on the wall. Isn't it and, like at the door seal? Yeah, it was like just somewhere on the wall. So, officials ran into a problem when neither Williamson nor Fritz positively matched the print, and they needed to prove it belonged to Debbie. Um, even though a previous report said it was not Debbie's handprint. Mm-hmm. So, they wanted... To do that to maintain the story that the two men were the killers. I mean, like, what? what? I feel mm-hmm. like the difference between this and when they see us at this point, what is something that's sticking out to me, is that when they see us is racially biased. It was yeah. you going for black and brown kids. This, what's their motive for going after these two random guys? Mm-hmm. Like, what? what's like, hey, why don't we get these guys and try to false convict them? Yeah. So, officials, like... When this happened, they asked the mom of Debbie to, like, sign something for, like, exhumation, mm-hmm. like, with the body. Oh, yeah. But, surprise, they didn't give her the heads up, and she instead heard the news of her daughter's exhumation from a co-worker. So, she didn't even do it. They just, like, did it. Because they said... Actually, no, sorry. They were, did it with a promise that she would be present, but they did it without her. Oh, I remember that. And I remember mom, her... Yeah. Mm. So... She, like, the mom, like, deals with alcohol a lot. Right. It's kind of, like, goes down. But, um, <laughs> this says, what Carter didn't yet realize was that things were about to get temporarily better than a hell of a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, the trials happened with Ron and Dennis pretty quickly. They had, uh, false confessions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, prosecutors called witnesses to the stand, including an Ada woman who claimed Williamson had sexually assaulted her years before. And, um, okay, I just had to put my phone down for that because this is where, this is the one thing, and when I reveal the truth later on, you're going to be ticked off as well. (laughs) So, witnesses saw Debbie leaving the bar. She was at her car, and they saw a man standing in, like, her doorway, like, talking to her. And Mm. it didn't didn't look like a nice conversation. It looked like they were arguing. Right. But they were, like, driving by in the car, and they saw a small town. Everyone knows everybody. Right. <laughs> you didn't see gonna, it now, but see honest you. Yeah, I'm just gonna tell you what was released in court, what was released by the police, by the DA. Yeah. This is what they told the entire world. Mm-hmm. The witnesses just saw a man standing next to Debbie. Right. And they tied it to be Williamson, be, like Ron, because he was always at the bar and like, right. they knew each other. He lived by her apartment. And they said, like, oh, it was him who harassed her at, like, at her car. Right. So, yeah, both of these guys were found guilty and went to prison. 
But here's the thing. Fast forward 12 years later, local news reports claimed both men could be exonerated thanks to new DNA evidence. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. So whenever, like, attorneys were reviewing the cases, they were like, there are so many inconsistencies, like, issues with the bloody palm print. Right. The confession. Um, the, like, whole body thing. And just how it didn't, like, the the print wasn't the matching. Like, right. So many things were wrong. Uh, there was an issue with hair evidence. But in 1994, DNA testing was, like, more prevalent. Right. Because, jeez. Yeah. I remember the hair evidence thing was a big thing. And again, Ron had a dream, like Tommy, of him committing the crime. I don't know how. How do people, how do people how? Have, this, have dreams about this? I don't even know. God's like, hey, we're going to give you this. Yeah, I just... Uh. So, okay, but then there's two hours in his confession tape where he is dead set on, I did not do this crime. I didn't do anything. Right. But um, he still got sent to do. I don't understand how, like, for... I, you see these confession, like, you see these interrogation tapes, and they're usually... You, I would hate to be an editor for true crime stuff because you're going through hours. It'd be insane. How do you, also, how do you be, like, a detective in there for hours with somebody who might not even comply with you? Mm-hmm. Okay, but then, in 1987, a man named Ricky Joe Simmons went to the police station <gasps> and confessed to killing Debbie. This was, like, a mm. year or two after the... Crime. Right. Instead of charging Simmons, the police told him he was mistaken and cleared him as a suspect. I don't he admitted to the crime. And they're like, but, yeah, you're probably psycho. But I will spoil, it's not him. Right. He just, but still, it's like, if someone confessed right. right then and there, look into it. Yes. So basically, Dennis Fritz was incarcerated um, contacted the Innocence Project, a nonprofit organization for this kind of stuff, um, and to represent Ron Williamson. And they also found, like this organization, with their research, they found that the DNA, the hairs, the semen, all that did not belong mm-hmm. to either of them. And a former like forensic scientist admitted in front of a court that their hair evidence hadn't been strong enough to convict Williamson and Fritz to begin with. Ridiculous. So, in 1999, they were cleared of their charges. So, for the first time in 12 years, Fritz hugged his daughter. It was very emotional. I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sad. Isn't that the end of his story? Or? Yeah, Fritz literally was happily ever after after right. this. But Williamson, Ron, he was, like, almost, like, five days from being executed in prison. Yes, like, that's right. Oh, it was crazy. And then the mom, like, Debbie's mom, was just kind of sad because she was like, I still don't know who killed her. Right. Like, like you're, it was just you're, a closure. you're kind of like, okay, great for a guy who got out because he was didn't do it. Yeah. But I don't have that closure. Yeah. You have mixed emotions about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ron was, like, death row, almost executed. Tommy Ward and Carl Fontenot were not on death row, but um, also, it doesn't really talk about, like, Carl that much. Carl yeah. was troubled. Yeah, 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 that's right. Because I remember, like, his whole, like, childhood thing. It was, like, yeah. rough. Mm-hmm. So, like, Carl didn't do it. He was just thrown into the mix. But that's basically, like, all they talk about. They focus on Tommy. Okay. But then, back to Denise's case with Tommy Ward. Basically, Denise's body gets found. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, what was missing before. They didn't have her right. body. Which is a big part. Yeah. So a man found a skull buried beneath some brush. 
And oh, it's Denise yeah. Haraway. Dental records, like, matched it. Right. So time had passed between, like, this had happened, but, um... And nothing, absolutely nothing about where the body was found in the crime scene matched what Carl and Tommy talked about. Um, War told them they buried the body in a ditch. But it was, uh, like, a ditch by the Sandy River and had been burned down to the nearby shack to hide the evidence. Denise was discovered in a different county, Mm -hmm. 30 miles away. And, like, no shack to be found, no Sandy River, completely different. Wasn't it? There's. I remember the the T-shirt. Yeah, but also, when War told them Sandy River, like a location, the police knew he was telling the truth because mm-hmm. they spoke with the landowner who had burned down that shack. Tommy was talking about two years before this crime happened. Tommy just didn't know it got burned mm-hmm. down. So then it's like, okay, he's clearly not telling the truth. She also had a gunshot wound to the back of the skull. Proving that she was shot and not stabbed to death. Which they, is what they, they said. claimed they stabbed yeah. her. Yeah. Um, no stab wounds at all in the body. And they described that she was wearing a white shirt with like small blue flowers. But the shirt she was found in was a tattered shirt, red with white stripes. Completely, like literally, everything's completely different. different. Then someone else was like, like, another reporter said, wait, no, Tommy Ward said he was at a party that night. I was also at that party. I remember right. seeing him. Like, their alibis were getting checked out. But um, she even testified in court, even though the DA was kind of, like, against it. Right. But it didn't, like, they didn't believe her. Yeah. Um, he Like, Ward, as he's in prison, he's constantly writing to parole board to, like, get yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, they tried to appeal it so many mm-hmm. times. But you can, you can only appeal, like, every once in a while. You can't appeal, like, every... Every six months, every year, every five, something like that. Yeah. So now it's time we get to what really aggravates me. Um, Remember with Debbie Carter's case, when she was at that bar that she worked at, the witnesses saw her in her car talking to a man? (sighs) It is revealed. Now revealed. That, okay, side note, side note, side note. I forgot about this. Whenever, like, Ron was getting placed at the bar at that time, mm-hmm. people knew he went there a lot because he's like he lived in the area. Right. But what got him to be pinpointed there at that time was a witness by the name of Glenn Gore. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, I saw Ron at the bar. He was talking to Debbie. Mm-hmm. Like, he confirmed. And then when the witnesses saw a man outside the car, they, like, tie those together. Right. Ooh, okay. This is when I get heated. So, then you find out it was freaking Glenn Gore. The guy at the door. That's who it was. Yep. Talking to her. It was... And you find out that the police hid from the world in the reports. Like, the witnesses... I don't understand why they did that. The witnesses... Well, actually, I know why. We'll get to that in a second. Oh, yeah. The witnesses that saw, like, Debbie in her car, like, leaving the bar and stuff, legit said it was Glenn Gore standing next to Debbie at her car. They were having altercation. It was Glenn Gore. They first last named him. I remember everything. But they released to the public it was a man. So they screwed up a witness's testimony. We'll explain why in a second. So Glenn Gore ends up being the murderer for Debbie Carter. Um, And it took quite a while for this to be, like, revealed. Like, many uh, years had passed. Um, so Debbie's family in this docuseries recalls like numerous times when Glenn Gore had harassed Debbie throughout their teenage and adulthood years. 
Because they, like, went to school together. Right. He would tear off the windshield wipers off of her car, give her threatening looks. Dude. Um, and she was, like, scared of him. Right. Like, Debbie was scared of him. He also had criminal history. Um, and when they started, like, retesting the DNA evidence, he was already in jail in another part of the state. Uh, the identity, be- not identity, the DNA <laughs> matched him perfectly. And he, like, kind of escaped prison, <laughs> the one oh, he was yeah. in. But then he eventually turned himself in in 2002. Dang. Two decades after the crime. He was guilty, sentenced to life without parole. Then the mom wanted the death penalty because she was like, he needs to pay. Right. Then, um... I think at this point the death penalty was gone. Mm-hmm. Did they bring it back? I swear So now right. the question goes into why didn't the police bringing Glenn Gore when those mm-hmm. witnesses were like, we literally saw this man, Glenn right. Gore, sitting there. Whew, okay. Here we go. Let's get into why the justice system sucks. Mm-hmm. Basically, the police force were involved with drugs, oh. dealing, taking in, so forth. Glenn Gore was like a supplier. So he was their freaking dealer. <sighs> and that's why they ignored all this stuff. But, um, side note, Ron passes away um, because of his mental illnesses. He went untreated for decades. Rapidly aged, like, he looked like he was 60 years old. Yeah. 67 years old when he got out, but he was, like, half his age. Yeah. But, um... So he died because of his mental illness? Did he yeah. commit suicide? I can't remember. Yes, he did. Yeah. I think so. I feel like like when you say somebody dies from their mental illness, I I feel like that's that. I forget what it says. Oh, he died five years later after his release from prison due to his problem with alcohol. Like, he was just drinking 24-7. But then the other guy, Dennis Fritz, started teaching again, teaching about, like, criminal justice system. So he was kind of, like, thriving. But, um, oh, yeah, also Glenn Gore had inconsistent interviews, two inconsistent interviews. One, he said nothing suspicious happened. That night, and another where he said he did see, like, Ron harassing her. Right. Uh, there was missing DNA in the case. Why didn't anyone draw a blood sample or ask for a hair sample from the beginning? Uh, Glenn Gore was known for using and selling drugs in the early 80s, and the police had done nothing about it. Because they were using and selling it. And right. formed a relationship. Dirty cops. Him. Yeah, that bled into the investigation. So to protect themselves, they protected Gore and threw an innocent man in prison because they... They protected a rapist and murderer. And a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. To protect well, themselves. Well, I don't think they cared about the drug dealer. Yeah. They were doing the drugs themselves. Um, we would hope well, they then it would ruin their careers. It would ruin their whole life. Oh, freaking but, cares. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, it was very mishandled. That, like, stuff like that. Like, it's like... It would ruin your career. Like, there's some people that are, like, higher up. I remember... Um, it was a big thing like you do all this stuff you could do all this bad stuff but you probably would still have a job like you think it's gonna ruin your career no it's not gonna it's it should but it won't is the sad thing about it and so these cops are just like this is like this shows you that cops think they're above the law when they're doing the law themselves Mm -hmm. when they enforce it themselves and it's like no you're not yeah so many things they are though it's ridiculous so that's like uh, Deborah Carter's case. Mm-hmm. Glenn Gore did it. He's well, I think he's dead now. But um, 
Yeah, Ron passed away. Dennis was was he the one that was interviewed? I feel I feel like I remember somebody being interviewed. Like Dennis the was. Dennis was. That's who was. So with Tommy Ward, Carl. They literally like don't talk about Carl. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I remember they mentioned the name. I'm like, are they gonna talk yeah. about Carl? What happened to him? But there was also a snitch Ooh. who tied into both cases. Terry, oh, that's right, Terry Holland. So she like spoke in court and stuff. Wasn't she in prison? But, she overheard it or something like that. Yeah, she said she like overheard stuff. Like she was lying because she um, was one of multiple women coerced into having sex with local law enforcement oh on camera. Oh my god! They were emotionally and physically manipulated. Mm-hmm. So she had full confessions because mm-hmm. they were making her do it. Right. And so that didn't line up. <laughs> Another thing. Jeez, this town, don't trust cops in that town ever and again. And then the, remember the uncle and nephew that saw like, oh, yeah. them leave the gas station? They said, the uncle, Gene, said that the police tainted his the lineup by showing him Ward before any of the other men. Because he went into the lineup already having a clear picture of who the killer was because Jeez. the police handpicked the suspect for him. Like, they're doing mind games mm-hmm. to protect themselves. Master manipulators. That's yeah. what cops are. Detectives, specifically. with Denise Haraway, that's still unsolved. Like, we still Yes, know that's right. So Jenny, Tommy's still in prison. Yeah, Tommy is still in prison to this day. What's her, I get the names confused. With Denise's case, mm-hmm. it's still, like, we don't know who did it. Right. But, uh, so that one's open-ended. But that is the case of the it's innocent It's a long man. one. It's long- there's even more details I left out because it's just Go so watch both of these much. shows. They're both great. It's phenomenal. One's documentary style, one's dramatized, scripted television. Mm-hmm. But they're both great. But holy crap. Highly recommend. We got some great true crime stuff coming up. We kind of hinted at one of them, you know, the controversial in some people's eyes. We're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do OJ this season. Yes. I need to watch the show. It's on my Netflix list. It's great. But Hope you enjoyed. Yes. This is a long one. This was very long, but so it's very you interesting. You know we had to do it to him. We've been wanting to do this for a while. This one, because uh, we watched these shows kind of around the same time. Mm-hmm. So they came out all around the same time. And same, like, false confessions. Right, same. Confession. So I was like, we can put these together somehow instead of just doing two separate episodes for him. When they see us, didn't have any dreams. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. But that was really weird. Our next couple episodes are going to be some pretty fun ones. Yes. They're going to be celebrating some stuff. We got a guest coming up. <laughs> we got some great stuff coming. Great content coming. Yes. Great tea coming We're to here you. for it. Yeah, we hope you enjoy it. We're going to talk Do about our songs. Our songs. All right. Morgan, you go first. So I sent this whole album to you guys because I enjoyed it. Ben Platt. <gasps> great. His album is very, it's it. very jazzy, gospel-y kind of, and it's perfect for his voice. Mm-hmm. But I've been obsessed with the song off his album, Sing to Me Instead. Listen to the whole thing, but specifically my favorite song is New. It's very upbeat, and it's just very fun, and it's, I love it so much. I've been listening to it nonstop, so, yeah. What's ben, it called again? New, by Ben Platt. Yes. A new song called New. A new new. song called New. Okay, so mine is also a new song. I remember, like, seeing it, like, promoted uh, that it got, got that it came out, but I totally forgot about it. <laughs> it's John Mayer, "Carry Me Away." Oh, I love John Mayer. He's the greatest. This is definitely like his style of music, but yeah, like it's his version of upbeat, so it's all kind of like mellow. Right. There's no like dubstep, but <laughs> John Mayer's in his forties and he's still killing it. Dang, he's still out here touring. I feel like he's been on tour for three years. 
I didn't know he was touring. I didn't know he was still doing stuff. I know, it's... Man. So, Carry Me Away by John Mayer. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Go follow us on our Instagram at our Untitled Pod, Untitled Without the E, and we will see you next week. Bye! Bye.